In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you were baptized, you joined the armed forces. The priest marked the sign of the cross on your forehead to show that you are henceforth duty-bound to fight under the banner of Christ crucified against sin, the world, and the devil, and to continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant unto your life's end. In other words, to be a Christian is to be engaged in warfare, in a lifelong struggle against real enemies, against the enemies we renounce in baptism, the devil and all his works, the vain pomp and glory of the world, with all covetous desires of the same, and the sinful desires of the flesh. We renounce these enemies in baptism, but they remain active threats throughout our lives. And the Christian life is a continual struggle against them, against the flesh, the world, the devil. Today's gospel addresses the first of these, the sinful desires of the flesh, when Jesus says, from within, from out of the heart of man, proceed evil things. On the other hand, we contend also with enemies from without, from outside ourselves, namely the world and the devil. And it's these St. Paul speaks of in today's epistle, where he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The powers and principalities, the cosmic powers of darkness, form what one writer calls the dark background behind human nature an unseen spiritual host organized for evil. We must contend not only with evil in the abstract, but with the evil one, with the crafts and assaults of the devil. So as Eugene Peterson puts it, you're up against far more than you can handle on your own. But St. Paul shows us where our hope lies. He writes... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. God gives you the strength and power you need to have victory and to triumph against the enemies of your soul. When David went to fight Goliath, he said to the giant, The battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. That is the key here. The battle is the Lord's. If you are to stand against the wiles of the devil, you must rely on the Lord and on his mighty power. You must put on the Lord Jesus, as if you were a soldier strapping on a suit of armor. As the Anglican theologian and bishop Charles Gore puts it, the armor of God is more than a gift that God gives. It is a gift of his own self. Christ himself 
Gore says, is our armor. We are to clothe ourselves in his nature, to put him on as our armor. His is the strength in which we are like him to come triumphant through the hour of darkness. The battle is the Lord's. So, Paul writes, Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. With these words, St. Paul evokes the image of a Roman soldier arrayed in his panoply, his whole set of armor, a belt around his waist, a breastplate on his chest, sturdy sandals on his feet, a helmet on his head, in one hand a shield, and in the other a short sword for close combat. Each piece of armor stands for an aspect of the spiritual strength the Lord gives, of the virtues Christ infuses in the soul, of the gifts God gives us to stand against our enemies. So I want to consider each of these pieces of armor this morning in turn. Christ's soldier is to be girded with truth, as with a belt, which holds everything together. Isaiah speaks of Christ himself as girded with faithfulness or truth, empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to judge righteously, to see the truth of things, to look not on outward appearances, but on the heart. And so the Lord and to whom all hearts are open, is able to cleanse our hearts, the hearts of his faithful soldiers, that they might truly serve him, serve him with sincerity of heart. He girds them about with truth. He strengthens them in the truth. He himself is the truth in person, the truth which abides in them and will be with them forever. He arms them with his truth that they might know the truth and so stand against the deceptions of the devil, who is above all a liar and the father of lies. The breastplate of righteousness, it protects the vital organs of Christ's soldier. The prophet Isaiah envisions the Lord himself as wearing a breastplate of righteousness. So here again, it's a matter of putting on, as it were, what belongs to the Lord. For Christ is our righteousness. Our right standing before God is found in him. In Christ, Paul says earlier in Ephesians, God has made us accepted. And with St. Paul, we are called to desire nothing more than to be found in Christ, not having our own righteousness, but the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. The devil, however, would have us trust in our own righteousness rather than the manifold and great mercies of God. And so putting on Christ's righteousness defeats the devil's stratagems. The feet of Christ's soldier are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Here's another echo of Isaiah. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings, who says to Zion, your God reigns. 
The soldier's shoes symbolize a readiness to publish peace, to proclaim the peace of God. A readiness, that is, to bear witness to God's triumph over evil in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you might also say that the shoes suggest the sure-footedness, the stability, the confidence that the peace of Christ gives. For he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In the strength of that peace, we can keep our footing and stand firm against the assaults of our enemies. What about that shield of faith which protects Christ's soldier from all the fiery darts, the flaming arrows of the wicked. The flaming arrows represent what the long tradition of the church calls evil impulses, suggestions, fantasies, which with the enemy tempts us, seeking to entice our desire and so lead us into sin. The devil, someone says, is like a salesman knocking at the door. If you let him in, he will begin his sales pitch, and it will be very difficult to get rid of him without consenting to buy his deadly goods. The best remedy is to just leave him standing on the doorstep, to ignore him, refuse him any entrance at all. The devil assaults our thoughts with evil impulses like so many arrows. Our defense lies in shielding ourselves from these with an act of faith, an act of the will by which we refuse to entertain those impulses that flicker across the screen of our consciousness. In other words, our defense is, as Charles Gore says, to look continually and deliberately out of ourselves and up to Christ to appeal to him, to invoke his name, to draw upon his strength by acts of our will. A really concrete way to think about this is that in shielding yourself with temptation, you ought to repeat simple, short prayers whenever you find yourself tempted. An example of this being a prayer that's called, in the tradition, the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Have mercy upon me, a sinner. Saying short prayers like that is how we shield ourselves with faith. Christ's soldiers wear salvation as a helmet, Paul says. The church continually recalls the salvation that Christ has won through his dying and rising again. We do this especially when, like today, we gather to celebrate Holy Communion. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus says. And it's this continual remembering of our Lord, of the salvation that he has won, our Lord who suffered death upon the cross for our redemption. This remembrance serves to protect us like a helmet, to protect our memories, our minds. Elsewhere, St. Paul calls us to put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. And that suggests that we are also defended by the future assurance 
of Christ's final victory over sin and his final victory over death. As the German pastor Helmut Thielecki once said, Jesus is the victor. He has already won, and all our struggles are only rearguard battles and mop-up actions. In other words, the church's remembrance of the cross and her assurance of Christ's final victory work together to preserve us from despair. This memory and this hope give us the courage to persevere in our struggle, to endure unto the end, filled with a joyful confidence that, as St. Julian of Norwich puts it, all shall be well and all manner of thing shall be well because of Christ. The piece that completes the armor of Christ's soldier is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word or utterance of God. The sword, did you notice, is the soldier's only offensive weapon. It's commonly identified in the tradition with the Bible, with the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, which are the Word of God. And specifically, the words of Scripture serve to parry the enemy's attacks. We see this especially in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, where our Lord counters every temptation of the devil. How? By quoting Scripture. This argues strongly the importance for constantly meditating on Holy Scripture, of writing its words in your heart and in your memories. The most powerful of all the spiritual weapons, though, is prayer. And when St. Paul speaks of it, he moves away from metaphorical speech to direct speech, when he urges us to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. If the battle is the Lord's, if our strength lies in the Lord and in his strength, then our best defense is simply to pray without ceasing. To pray not only for our own help and defense, but to pray also for all saints, as Paul says, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our battle is not a solitary one. We are all, you and I, in this together. Not only just you and I here, but with the church across the world and across time, with the communion of saints, the whole church in paradise and on earth. We are all in this together. We are to seek each other's spiritual welfare, just as we would if we were comrades in arms. To be Christian is to belong in this way to a band of brothers who are absolutely committed to leave no one behind. Wherefore, Paul writes, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Notice, finally, that our task is simply to stand our ground. That is, our duty and our calling is to stand against the principalities and powers, against the crafts and assaults of the devil, against all the enemies of our soul, not to defeat them. That is what Christ has done. 
Christ has conquered. We have only to stand. His promise is true. He who endures to the end will be saved. And it is in that confidence, knowing that the battle is the Lord's, that we can stand firm and even rejoice, knowing that death is conquered, we are free. Christ has won the victory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.